The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Nav Kesher, who is the head of data sciences for Facebook Marketplace Experience at Facebook. Hi, Nav. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, welcome, Nav, and thanks for joining us. So we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your background and your current role at Facebook. Absolutely. I'll just go a little bit into the history, so at least I make this story interesting. I graduated around 20 years ago from engineering college. Back then, I was doing some sort of neural network, but as you remember back in the days, there was not enough cheap compute. So after graduation, because I did not want to get into research at that point of time, I ended up being a software engineer, which I did for around five years. But after that, the call of data was still pretty compelling, and that led me to go to graduate school. And after that, I started working at Amazon, where I was fortunate enough to get to work on Amazon Echo, Fire TV, Fire TV Stick product. And then from there, for the last three years, I've been at Facebook. Initially, I started at Facebook on the platform team, where I used to support a large array of products, from ads to developer products to games. Then since the last 12 or 14 months, I would say, I've been on the Facebook marketplace where we are trying to build the commerce behavior on Facebook. Yeah, that's me in a nutshell. That's great. Well, we definitely spend a lot of time talking about how AI machine learning is impacting a wide variety of sectors. And I think you probably hit on like a dozen of them. <laughs> everything from, from voice assistance to, you know, assisted enabled commerce to and everything that's happening on the content side and natural language processing. That's really very good. And part of the reason why we're so excited to talk to you. You know, we were connected through the AI Expo in Santa Clara that was taking place coming up for those listening to this podcast in November 2018. And your talk is on making sense of unstructured data. So for those that are not able to participate in the conference or weren't there, maybe you can give us a little bit of an overview of what it is that you talked about and some of the issues you uncovered there. Absolutely. Well, before I begin, let me first start by thanking the AI Expo folks for giving me the opportunity to speak and connect with my fellow data people. I'm really honored to be presenting at the AI Expo, which I believe is at the forefront of bringing together an exciting agenda, facts full of presentations, workshops, training sessions, panel discussions, you name it. For this conference, the theme of my presentation will be around making sense of unstructured data. As you may or may not know, or you may find it very surprising, that structured data only accounts for 20% of stored information. And when I mean structured data, I mean the data that is neatly organized in rows and columns in a data warehouse or a database somewhere. The rest is actually unstructured data. These are text, blogs, documents, photos, videos. And unstructured data in some circles is also known as the dark data. It includes like the information assets that organizations collect, process, and store during regular business activities. But you know, generally, they fail to use it for other purposes. For example, doing any sort of analytics, 
building business relationships or even direct monetizing that kind of data. So unstructured data, as I said earlier, if you think about a massive iceberg, this is the, that part of the iceberg that you don't see, which is just hidden below the water. And in many circles, unstructured data is also considered a burden that's just sorted and stored away. A classic example of this is the call centers, where you know you may have heard those beeps around this call be recorded for quality purposes. Less than very small fraction, I would say, of that stored data is actually used for analysis or for getting meaningful insights. So the key point that I actually want the audiences at the conference to take away are around understanding unstructured data and realizing that the next wave of innovation will come from uncovering insights hidden in that unstructured data, which may include images, free-form text, raw sensor data, like and other things such as the loss from data centers. I want to give the audiences some sort of guidelines to make sense of unstructured data that have worked for me. In no way am I going to make the audience an expert in machine learning in the 30 minutes that I have there. My main purpose for there was to get the users excited or get the audience excited about unstructured data. And hopefully, if time still remains in my presentation, I would want to dwell on some of the newer deep learning techniques that are revolutionizing the understanding of unstructured data. Yeah, great. We'd love to hear about some of the work that you're doing or that you have done in the past and how using advanced analytical techniques such as machine learning, AI, to redefine user experience. Absolutely. I have two examples that I wanted to talk to you about. One comes from my previous job when I was working on devices, and one is in my most current role at Facebook. So let's start with the previous one, which is more related to marketing and decision sciences, which is exactly like a branch of machine learning and AI. What I did there was utilize data and analytics to inform business decisions. As far as using data and the advanced analytic techniques, we actually use them for creating sales planning through creating forecast of sales, which not only informed our pricing strategy and bottom line profitability, but also helped us build plans and inventory accounting. These techniques, uh, like time series modeling, for example, and as well as the clickstream analysis helped us understand our customer behavior and the experiences that they were getting on our devices. We created usage graphs from the clickstream that derived insights from them to build products in addition to like doing lifetime modeling in which we used various types of regression models to develop the downstream impact of device ownership. And in many ways, these are the analytics and the insights that eventually went into pricing and promotion of the different devices that I was able to work on during my time at Amazon. And beyond that, coming to Facebook, I've had the opportunity, I would say, to work on an array of products that have used advanced analytics. The one example which I always tell in the different talk series and presentations that I give is about modeling churn. As you may know, users stick to a product when they are thoroughly engaged, but then some users also churn out. One of the ways where I would say the 
machine learning techniques and these advanced regression techniques are helping the businesses to make decisions is by modeling the churn behavior of the user. So we are now able to predict with, with a fairly accurate measurement on when a user may churn out. And as a result, then we can take proactive steps to retain that particular user. Well, and similarly, some of the other work uh, that I've had the opportunity to work here around the identification of latent demand. For example, on the games side, we did a bunch of work to figure out what amount of gaming is already happening. And some of these advanced AI techniques really helped us identify the latent demand or the latent behavior of users on Facebook. So then we could actually build appropriate products to suit that user base. Cool. Well, that sounds really interesting. We haven't really heard that many examples of machine learning being used to predict churn. And I'm sure, especially in that e-commerce situation, pretty much everything else where you have membership or customers or subscribers or something, people are going to be really interested to hear kind of how to apply machine learning to that problem. Absolutely. So just following up on that, I mean, there's certainly a lot of things that you're involved in with all this AI machine learning activity, and people are looking at replacing some of their traditional analytical processes, which are really you know, not adequate to fully understand unstructured data in particular. And I'm sure the majority of the data collected, as, as you just mentioned, 80% is coming from unstructured data sources. And obviously, the companies that you've been working with, there's an awful lot of that text and images and video and you know documents of all sorts, just coming email, for sure. That's all just coming in an unstructured data form. So what analytical AI methods, based on your experience, do you recommend just in general for other companies and other people who are listening to this podcast that may have the same sort of percentage of unstructured to structured data? What approaches do you recommend to process and analyze that information? Absolutely. So actually, before we get into what processes or which algorithms that we should we use for analyzing unstructured data. The one thing that I would like to explain here is, uh, and what we should know about unstructured data is that in most cases, this kind of data can only be analyzed by extraction. One of the examples that I always like to talk about is the fingerprint matching or even the finger vein matching, that's the more recent advancement, where the actual fingerprint image is very unstructured. And to analyze a fingerprint, what essentially happens is key points are identified and then mapped. For example, the podcast listeners, if they are aware of the Delany triangulation net to map or match fingerprints, they may understand that the map, which is the unstructured data, is what actually gets matched. It's the extracted information from this unstructured data that is matched and analyzed. And most unstructured data uses some form of extraction, either they are text or image analysis or creating an integrated view of data from the assets that are available from the unstructured data. And these are the extractions that ultimately enable the data scientists to extract meaningful business insights. In terms of the analytical methods themselves, as you just mentioned, traditional analytics processes are not adequate to fully understand the scale and the meaning of unstructured data, and hence some of the newer methods, such as natural language processing, semantic semantic analysis, and others are being used to analyze the unstructured data. 
Additionally, there have been recent advances in the recurrent neural networks and the convolutional neural networks that are also helping at identifying the patterns in unstructured data. And of course, among all of these algorithms, data collection still remains top of the mind. Data cleanup also remains a big headache for all the data scientists out there. And then, as I said earlier, like how do you even store the data? Should you have a data lake? or should you have a data warehouse? These are the kinds of questions that people need to answer before they start out to create processes and or tools to analyze unstructured data. The one thing I would not go deeper into the data warehouse or data lake, just the one thing which I would like to you know say here is that data warehouse is for anyone who wants analytics. Whereas data lakes, what I have seen traditionally, these are storage that the architecture that lacks the structure of data warehouse, these are easily configurable. They are always work in progress. They have mostly been used by the data scientists. So then coming back to the original question that you had asked, what techniques should I even be using? One thing which I always remember is remember when to use machine learning or when to use an advanced analytics technique. For example, if there's a data sparsity issue, you will end up not fitting the curve appropriately. Similarly, if you have, or for example, if I have to enter something within a couple of hours, I may not be building machine learning models to predict something or to classify or rank something. I would rather build a root-based engine and get into an error tolerance that is acceptable to me and move ahead and move fast. Because guess what? By the time you get to your 99% accuracy, a milepost itself may have moved. So getting the answer in the required time frame is probably the most important thing as it pertains to business today. And then yes, if you have time, you can decide whichever machine learning algorithm you want to build from like, you know, linear regression to logistics, random forest, decision trees, and the list goes on and on. So I would not really go deeper into that. But the main thing that I want to leave the audience here with is that know when to apply machine learning and what's the trade-off you want to make between the speed to results versus accuracy. Yeah, that's really interesting. And we say that too, you know, not everything is solved by machine learning. And sometimes, you know, like you said, rules-based or simple programs are the answer because based on accuracy, the amount of data you have, training time, also time that you need the decision by. So that's great that you're reiterating that. Now, I know for a lot of our listeners, we always talk about how artificial intelligence is not a new concept and it's been around for about 70 plus years. However, recently, there's been some really great advancements that's happened in the field. And I know that you regularly peer review others. And so I'm sure you've seen a lot of this and a lot of some really cool stuff coming out of the field. So can you talk to us about some of the advancements that you're seeing? Absolutely. So as you just said, the concepts of machine learning have existed for decades. The big reason why we have seen so much progress recently is because of the democratization of the compute itself. And the availability of cheap compute has given people, or like especially data scientists, the ability to sift through this vast amount of data and bring meaningful insights or extract meaningful insights from this sort of data. So to reiterate, as you just said, big data has always been a great source of valuable information, which when properly managed and processed and analyzed, 
can generate valuable learnings and actionable insights for the businesses that they serve. And of course, substantial business value can be unlocked and competitive advantages can be attained when decisions are made on data that has been meaningfully processed and analyzed. As this whole field evolves, there are two things that I foresee may happen. The first is we will definitely see better storage and information retrieval architecture that aligns with the business goals around scalability, volume, variety, and the actual philosophy of the organization. We will, at that point of time, have to make proactive choices on real-time versus unstructured logging. And we may also see a proliferation of Rada Lake, the likes of which I just mentioned in my previous comments, that are easily configurable and are designed to be installed on a low commodity hardware. The second thing which I really foresee happening, it's actually happening today itself, is that most of the analysis that used to happen were mostly descriptive, which is essentially what happened questions that mostly originates from dashboard views. And people look at dashboards and they have questions and then they figure out what happened to my metric. Or in some cases, it's also morphed into diagnostic analysis where the data scientists went into the root cause analysis and figured out why did certain things happen. As the analytical processes get better and they mature, we will see more predictive analytics which is where it creates value and we are able to answer questions such as what is likely to happen or detecting trends or even building early warning systems. And from there, the true value can be realized when this whole analysis paradigm moves into prescriptive analytics, which is where the analytical processes predict or they recommend what the best course of action are and they are able to simulate the learnings from the different analytical methods that are being employed and suggest a roadmap for the organization itself. Yeah, definitely very insightful. I think this is part of the reason why we have this podcast to begin with. I think even though you're solving problems for the organizations that you're solving and, and also the research that you're reading, people can make direct correlations to the problems that they're trying to solve and realize that AI machine learning can solve a greater range of their issues. So I think this is really great and glad you're at the forefront of this, not only for you know, Facebook and previously Amazon, but also in that research. So from that perspective, we'd love to just you know, get your general thoughts on where you think AI is heading. You know, where's the future of AI in general and applications to corporations and beyond? Absolutely. This is actually a tough one, but let me take a stab at it. I think there are many fields that stand to benefit from the proliferation of big data and artificial intelligence. However, I think the one as I am most passionate about is solving real-world people problems. And one of the real-world people problems that is very close to my heart is alleviating the water crisis now and in the future. There's a little bit of uh, personal history here. I actually come from a very small town in India where I grew up. And there, we always had some form of water scarcity. And so when I went to college, my senior year project 
was around optimizing hydro dam operations using neural network. And that's where the whole passion comes around about solving this water crisis. For example, like, you know, you already know water has become one of our most critical and contested resources. And I would absolutely love to see the machine learning and image recognition technology to help us measure, plan, and more effectively allocate our precious water resources where they need the most, such as fresh drinking water and food production. And deep learning technologies are actually helping increase the efficiency by analyzing the satellite imagery, and they're using some of the new generation technologies to monitor surface water levels and fluctuation around the world to help inform the strategy on water utilization and conservation. This is, as I said earlier, like there are many, almost every field gets to benefit from these advanced analytical techniques. However, like in the end, I would really be, I think from my perspective, if these advanced techniques are not solving real world people problems, then we have not really used that technology to its best utilization, I would say. Oh, good. Well, that's a very interesting problem. People have not necessarily made the connection between, you know, AM machine learning and solving the water issues and water crisis. And to the extent that it can, I guess you've been thinking about it from from all the different angles, you know, whether it's helped with water conservation and water usage, improving, you know, access to water or distribution or any of the number of things. I think that, that that's really interesting. You know, here on, on the East Coast of the U.S., we're kind of in the opposite situation. We've got a lot of water <laughs> coming from the sky and dealing with weather situations that may be kind more and more extreme. So that's another aspect of both water and machine learning and prediction, right? Now people think all the time about weather and weather forecasting. So very intriguing. Well, we could definitely go on for hours about this. And I know we have a podcast here and people may not be willing to sit here and let us talk for (laughs) prolonged streams of time. So, Nav, I really wanted to thank you so much for joining us on this podcast, and we really appreciate you joining us. Maybe we can have you come back in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, Nav, thanks for joining us today. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.